the Bronson you see now has a big chip on his shoulder. So yeah, yeah. I think I became very comfortable in where I was in NXT. I became the North American champion. And then not long after that, I, I was released and I was gone from the company for a good 18 months. And in those 18 months, I really found myself again, found my edge, and I brought all of that back with me when I debuted on Monday Night Raw. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. It is I, Ryan Satin, the host. You are here. I am here. And what are we here for? We're here to hear... That's a lot of hears in a row. We're here to hear what Bronson Reed has to say. That's my guest this week on the show, and I'm super excited to have him here. Bronson Reed is a character. He's a super nice guy. He's Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, but I think that as much as you've heard him talk in the past in interviews, I'm not sure you've seen this side of him. Yes, you've heard him talk about his wrestling career before, but in this interview, in this conversation, on this week's episode of Add a Character, you're going to find out more about the man behind the meat. That was a good one right there. The man behind the meat, Bronson Reed. That's what you're going to hear this week, and I really think that you guys are going to enjoy it. He's a huge wrestling fan. He's a super cool guy. He's got a lot of interesting stuff to say, so I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did talking with him because it was super, super fun. I've been wanting him on this show for a very long time, so I'm glad we finally made it happen. I'm going to stop talking here. Just check out our conversation. I think you guys are going to dig it. Let's jump into the show. Bronson Reed, thank you so much for giving me the time today. I appreciate it so much. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I appreciate you giving me the time today. No, thanks for having me. I've uh, also wanted to be on the show uh, sooner rather than later. <laughs> well, we got there later, but we got there. We're here. <laughs> we're doing it now. I actually cut you off for those of you one little peek behind the curtain here. Uh, he yeah. was just, I was pointing out the cool Vader mask in, in the background. You said there was a cool story too. I want to hear. Yeah. So actually that Vader mask is from his son. So, uh, so you know, along social media, uh, he noticed I had shared a few pictures of, of Vader. You know, I'm a big fan, big inspiration to me along the same likes of Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, and I got t talking with him about his father and uh, yeah, he happened to send that out for me, which is a great little bit of memorabilia that I uh, have kept. That is so sick that you have an actual Vader mask. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. <laughs> I, 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 last year at WrestleMania, I think that's when he went in the Hall of Fame. Was last year at WrestleMania, and not, I think it was last year. And uh, yep. they were they were selling a replica of the Vader mask there, and I also have it up in my office, and yeah. that's just a replica. So the fact that you have one that Vader actually wore is sick. The next goal is to get the big mastodon shoulder piece and headpiece that shoots off the smoke. I don't know if anyone has that laying aware, like laying around in a warehouse or somewhere, but uh, that's what I want. Well, call up most wanted treasures. Tell them you <laughs> tell them you need to make it happen for the next season, and, and and then you know they'll find it out there. That's a great idea. I'm gonna do it. I wonder how many of those still exist. I wonder like how many he actually had. It can't be a lot of them. No, I don't think many are from memory. Like, uh, I have a friend in the business, obviously, many of them. And he told me he knows of one that he's seen in person. But I don't know any more than that one. So would you say, so Vader is up there for one of your big influences? Vader, Bam Bam, those are the top? Oh, big time. You know, for me, uh, I, I grew up watching those guys. I was a big Federation year, like uh, the new, new era. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Bam Bam Bigelow. 
you know, Triple H, all those guys. And then Vader came along in 96. And uh, that was the first time I sort of had exposure to him. And then after that, I went back and actually watched all the WCW stuff, then all the stuff in Japan. And as I became a pro wrestler and as I got bigger myself, uh, I patterned my style even more on those guys that were 300 plus pounds. Yeah, kids these days or young people in general, I don't think they understand what it was like for us wrestling fans in a pre-internet era or early yeah. internet era. You know, when I was watching the Attitude Era and pro wrestling at that time, even though I was on message boards, I had no idea there was a whole Japanese wrestling scene, really, that was like with a different style and a whole different vibe to it. And I think that it wasn't until I was an adult that I really got to like start watching that stuff. Yeah, I know for me, like, even even more so being in Australia, uh, we got a lot of things late as well. Like, we didn't have the first WWE pay-per-view for Australians was actually Royal Rumble 2000. Crazy. So before before that, I used to have to wait for the pay-per-views to come out at a blockbuster. Wow. And they were usually two months late. So luckily for me, I kept up with a lot of uh, pro wrestling in magazines. So I, I read about ECW, WCW, all these different things in magazines. And then as soon as I could get my hands on a VHS tape, like, you know, that's when I was really living. Yeah, I think that, you know, you, you I, to this day, the people that are my age that have, like, a great knowledge of international wrestling history, I'm just so amazed that they are able to have that because it's like, I just, <laughs> I, you know, it was a whole, I just didn't even know it existed, you know? Like you, like you yeah. said, you had to wait you know, months for a pay-per-view to come on video. You know, I wasn't getting every pay-per-view. I wasn't, I was just a kid, you know? So yeah. I didn't know all these things existed. But when you see like a Vader in Japan, you go like, oh man, that's that's awesome. Yeah, my my real uh, nerdism for pro wrestling kicked in when I was a teenager and I got access to the internet and I was able to actually find different companies, you know, able to find and watch stuff from Japan, find and watch stuff from Mexico. I went back and watched old British wrestling. Like I'm, I'm a big uh, wrestling nerd. So yeah, <laughs> I, I'm doing that now. I, I well, okay. I've, been, I've been doing that. I shouldn't say like, everyone's like, Ryan, you've been covering wrestling for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. in, in the past 10 years, I would say like, once I realized that all these things were on YouTube, like it, it just opened my mind up to all this new stuff. So I, I go to bed watching old wrestling pretty much every night. I know pretty much every night I go to bed <laughs> watching old wrestling just to kind of like see, you know, what they were doing back then. Just cause it's, it, it, it is interesting to see how wrestling has evolved over the years. Yeah. I say that to like all the younger guys and girls coming up in the business now, like for me, uh, it was such like, it was in insane to find new stuff as a kid or, or, or find all these like specific matches and try and hunt them down on on message boards or tape trading all that sort of stuff whereas now you can literally go on youtube and pretty much find most things and i get angry when like people aren't i'm like you really should track down this stuff it's so easy you have your phone you type it in it's it's there for you to watch it's amazing the wrestling that you can find on youtube from the past you know like i've watched I I subscribed to a couple of wrestling channels on YouTube where it's old black and white wrestling from like the fifties yeah. and stuff. And even that I watch it and I go, there's something that a, a current wrestler now could take from watching this. Oh, I, that's sort of what I've uh, been trying to do in my most recent years in pro wrestling and in WWE in general is take a little bit of this and that from the past that I haven't seen 
in today's era and sprinkle that into my work. And you see bits of that on, on Monday Night Raw. How often are would you say you're watching old wrestling then? Uh, I'd say most weeks I, I try to either rewatch. Oh, there's a picture right there. So I do a jump, jumping um, tackle off of the apron. And I got that from Stan Hansen. He did it in the late 80s. I'd never seen anyone else do it like that before. And now it's a Bronson Reed special. Uh, but I think I'm watching wrestling most weeks, whether it's old wrestling or current current wrestling. Is there a certain time period you're in right now or a certain promotion that you're digging through right uh, now? I hop back and forth. Um, the most recent stuff that I've really sunk my teeth into is the, the WWE biography stuff on A&E. Like, I love that sort of stuff, the biography and the Rivals episodes. I love hearing, uh, you know, different stories from the past told by the wrestlers themselves. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it when you it's it's like it's like you're sitting there for a masterclass. Yeah, one hundred percent. So that and obviously for, for me, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, in Japan wrestling. So uh, Japanese wrestling is really heavily influenced what I do in the ring. So I want to talk about you in Japan, but I got past that. I I, I mean, I got past <laughs> what I, I I got past what I normally start every episode off with. We were talking nerd talk. Vader stuff, yes. wrestling stuff, yes. uh, comfort wrestling watching. But I want to ask you what I ask everyone else, usually at the beginning of the show, uh, and that's how much of your real true self is there in the character that you play on TV? I actually think quite a lot, yeah. Uh, Bronson Reed is is very much uh, like, like the Stone Cold Steve Austin, how he said he dialed himself up to 11. I think if you look at a Bronson Reed and then you look at my – Real self, my real self is maybe about a six or seven, and then Bronson Reed is that dialed to eleven. Um, the thing that I think separates him most is that I get to bring that mean streak out on television, which I don't really do on a daily basis. What I'm noticing that's different now, and tell me if you think I'm wrong or if I'm mm -hmm. perceiving it a different way. I've noticed a difference between how you were in NXT and how you are now, and I almost feel like. I want to put my finger on, I would say almost like the current version of your character is almost a little more confident, is a little more uh, over the top. Is that a better way of wording it? Is yeah, wording I think, it? yeah, for sure. It's uh, the Bronson you see now has a big chip on his shoulder. That's the so, word. Yeah, that's the phrase. I think I became very comfortable in where I was in NXT. I became the North American champion. And then not long after that, I, I was released and I was gone from the company for a good 18 months. And in those 18 months, I really found myself again, found my edge, and I brought all of that back with me when I debuted on Monday Night Raw. So now you see the the Bronson of NXT with what I was doing uh, in my time away and just put a chip on my shoulder, and I think, yeah, I can get in there with anyone on that show. So that's what I wanted to convey with uh, current Bronson. Did you feel that way? So you felt that way about your time at NXT at the end, that you got a little complacent to a degree? I think so. I, I, you know, at the time, like being honest with myself, I, I didn't think so. Like I thought like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm killing it. I'm doing all of this. And, and I was, I had some great matches. I, I became the champion. I had a good uh, run against Johnny Gargano and stuff like that. But I still think that I was lacking something. Uh, and I found that in my time away. So I never look at that release as something as a negative, but more something that I found myself in. I think that kind of introspection is is important. Like you, you yeah. to be able to look at something that most people would say 
I was the victim here or, you know, that shouldn't have happened. And even if you feel that way, to be able to look at it from a different lens and say to yourself, well, maybe there is something else I could have been doing. I think it it it's, it shows that that's why you got brought back and why you're already being put in situations with guys like a Bobby Lashley where you're you know showing that you know you recognize what you could have done differently and now you're out there doing it. Yeah, I think it's that old phrase roll with the punches. I, I definitely did that. I rolled with the punches and then I th- threw some haymakers myself out there against some of the the best in the world. Uh, and it did get recognized by WWE and that's why I am back. And now I'm, you know, in these feature matches like a backlash this weekend and I'm going to continue to do so. I was wondering and I only because I had this schedule I in the questions. It's at the very bottom, but you kind of bringing it up right now. So I'm, I'm wondering. Uh, <laughs> I'm so, mixing it all up. For no, you. no, no, no. It's good. No, no. I love all this stuff. Uh, and you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to. But I think that. There was, you know, one of the things that I see wrestling fans saying about your return, and more so, I shouldn't say wrestling fans, the WWE haters, the people who like (laughs) to hate on people who are, you know, following their dreams or whatever. um, I keep seeing this thing on Twitter or whatever where people go like, oh, he had just beaten Okada, and then he goes back to WWE. What did you think when you saw those kinds of comments? I thought exactly that. I beat Okada. And now I'm back in WWE. So it's uh, rather than people being like, oh, he could have done this with this company, but now he's here. And it to me, it was I went to Japan and I did something pretty incredible that a lot of men haven't done in the past 10 years. And that's pin Okada in the G1. Uh, I was a standout in that tournament and I made sure to, you know, stamp my name in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And now that chapter is shut. And now I'm back in WWE and I want to do the same thing. I want, I want to come to WWE, wrestle guys like Bobby Lashley, maybe future world champions, things like that, and stamp the Bronson Reed name here in WWE. So I think, yeah, I think you're always going to have those haters that hate you either way. I had the same thing when I was released and, you know, I was being put in a place like New Japan. People like, oh, he doesn't deserve to be here or, or go back to WWE or whatever. Then I, Come back to WWE and it's like, oh, yeah, you should have been in New Japan. Like, there's always someone hating you for something. But I feel like if you don't have any haters, you're not successful. So I'm doing pretty good. Yes, absolutely. But <laughs> were you, because of the fact that New Japan was, you know, giving you the little push that they were giving you, uh, were you mm. hesitant about returning to WWE at all? Uh, no, you know, it is something I weighed up. I, I did have obviously an offer from them as well as the same time speaking with uh, Hunter and, and WWE. Uh, and for me, it was the unknown that attracted me so much to WWE. Uh, there was so much that I wanted to do in my initial run. And I'd, I'd got to NXT, I'd become North American champion, but I never got to be in a Raw or a SmackDown or do any of the premium live events like a Royal Rumble or WrestleMania, Backlash, any of these things. Um, so that was that was the big thing that persuaded me is I wanted to be a part of those things and see how I go because I feel like WWE is obviously the mecca of pro wrestling, but it is also the place where people can either become something really special or they can sort of stay stagnant. And I want to see if I can become special. So uh, that's why I came back and already, I've you know, been on Elimination Chamber, about to be on Backlash and uh, 
I'm going to keep uh, gunning for more. I think when you're a confident person and someone who has done something like you did, where you were all the way out there in Australia, the thought yeah. of coming to America and becoming a star here is such a big undertaking that I'm sure <laughs> there were a lot of people who said, you can't do that, or what are you talking about, or whatever. So to say what you just said that, you want to be special. You want to. You want to. You want the ability to show people that you can be special. Um, it rings so true to me, and I, I understand it so much because it's like you, you just want to show people that that confidence that you had in yourself all this time, the the leap of faith that you took was all worth it in the end. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent, I had that. Like, uh, I think it's something that probably a lot of pro wrestlers go through, whether it's family, friends, people just thinking, oh yeah, you're not gonna get to those peaks that you think about but even more so being from australia on the other side of the world in a small little town uh and now i look at the australian wrestling scene and look how many of us are actually doing well here in wwe and and it blows my mind but if there wasn't people like myself chasing that dream there wouldn't be representation for all those people in australia and yeah i i always tried to uh silence those people that said those those things and just keep following my goals and hopefully after time things will sort of play out and they did I, I was lucky as well uh i'm sure you get it as well you would have had it a lot with obviously what you're doing and now you're on fox yep absolutely and I, <laughs> absolutely and i think that but also with me i had the advantage of growing up an hour away from Los Angeles, you know, where all Whoa, the entertainment. Yeah. So I, <laughs> as much as, well. as I'm proud of the work that I have done and it was hard, um, I always just like, I'm so impressed by someone who travels to the other side of the country, leaves everything behind because they believe in themselves that much. That's not an easy thing for people to do. No, not at all. I, I mean, I, I was one of those people as well before, actually signing with WWE. I, I tried to travel the world with, with pro wrestling. I had stints in Japan, but also wrestled in maybe 12 different countries. Um, and, and even that was like nothing that I'd heard of anyone else locally doing. You know, I was not saying I'm a trendsetter, but I wanted to be the one to sort of push that envelope so people around me could see that it could be done. Uh, and now, yeah, it's something that Australian wrestling is definitely on that worldwide scene. And more and more of the guys and girls from back home are, are trying to push it and do the same thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Australian scene is definitely a scene now at this point. And it wasn't something that people talked about, I don't know, like five, six, seven years ago. Ever. You know? Yeah, but yeah. It was, it's definitely more of a new thing that you see. But I also do see, as someone who is not Australian, it's awesome from the outside to witness uh, how supportive you guys are of each other. Yeah, I think uh, that's a big thing with all, all the Australian wrestlers, especially here in the WWE. Is like most recently, Grayson Waller has been drafted to SmackDown and and Indy Hartwell was drafted to Raw, both from NXT. And I made sure to reach out to both of them, congratulate them, Zion Quinn as well as a, as a free agent. Uh, and I think it's important that, you know, we sort of stick together because we are from the other side of the world. And we do have our own little quirks about us that only the other Australians would understand. Uh, so I always want to do that for, for any of the Australians that come through. <laughs> Since, okay, that, that what you said right there about, you know, the things, you know, you're all coming out here and things being different. Uh, were there any big cultural differences that you had to acclimate to when you first moved out here that you were just like, what? That's how they do things out here? 
Uh, not really. Like, to be honest, like, uh, the States and Australia are pretty similar, you know, both English speaking countries. Um, I won't go into the politics of things, Fair, fair. <laughs> but, but there's a few things that we maybe get free in Australia that I think this country should have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, I feel like Australia, this is going to be my most, uh, uninformed opinion ever, but Australia seems like yes. a wild place from afar. Like I see things and I'm just like, man, they look like they have fun in Australia. Yeah, I think so. I think like, uh, I always tell like my American friends and people I meet in the States if they haven't visited Australia to definitely visit it. Cause you'll have a good time. And so far, anyone that I know that has gone there has fallen in love with Australia or the people, you know, we're a pretty happy go lucky culture. So you mentioned it earlier. So you're on the other side of the world. You got the internet as a kid. Is that yes. really, so that's really how wrestling kind of came into the picture was more so the internet. Uh, well, for me, I, I'm uh, so I grew up with an uncle that actually was obsessed with wrestling. Okay. And uh, as a child, I lived with uh, my my mother, my grandparents, and my uncle. We all lived in one big house. And uh, so from the earliest memories I can remember, two, three years old, uh, he was going to the local blockbuster hiring WWF pay-per-views, and uh, I was watching them. So that's how I got into wrestling. I, I've been watching it since I could remember. And then I sort of continued that, borrowing VHS tapes every week. Uh, until eventually we got cable and WCW was on cable in around 96, 97. And then a couple of years after that, that's when we got WWE and, and so forth. And then I got into magazines and then the internet. So were you technically a WCW guy then? Well, no, because the first things I watched was the tapes. <laughs> okay, so there was no, okay. there was no WCW tape. So it was always uh, pretty much I'd go and borrow a lot of the in your houses. Yeah. They were my fav favorite tapes to borrow so um i was wwf kid to begin with and then once we got cable wcw big sting guy uh big nwo fan uh and then from there into the attitude eras stone cold steve austin probably one of my all-time favorites well at least you got the tv stuff right as the Attitude Era was starting because that's like oh, peak Attitude Era right there. Yeah, 1997, as it was like about to go into that peak, that's when we got it. I remember watching WrestleMania 14 when Austin beat Shawn Michaels and like blew my mind. And then I was hooked every week and I would have, uh, I would watch Raw live. And at the same time, my uncle would tape Nitro for me. And then he would, he'd bring me the video and I'd watch that the next day or during the week at some point. I found a tape the other day. I, my dad, passed away recently and i've been looking through oh, all these old vhs sorry, yeah. thank you but he but he he kept like every vhs tape so our garage was just like cut like the cupboards are just filled with vhs tapes so i've been going through them trying to make sure there's nothing on you know important on them or whatever and and on one of them it was great it just it took me back because it was it was a month it was a monday night and it was while it was nitro so nitro's on first and then you know you have that yep. first hour and then raw started so it was my dad recording nitro and raw for us but going back and forth trying to catch <laughs> the best parts and so wow. you see it change right at the top of the hour and then you get a rock promo and then he goes back to a rick flair promo but it literally felt like i was in a time capsule because it was like watching someone change the channel between wcw and wwe for you know two hours and it was like oh i missed this 
Oh yeah, that was so so fun and exciting to be able to like go like back and forth. Okay, what's happening now? Oh, I hope I don't miss this part. See what's happening on this one. Oh, I don't really like these guys. I'll go back to Raw and watch this or vice versa. Like, I, it, it was really fun. And you, I, I, it was crazy to see the level of talent at that time, and and or at least legendary names or whatever. Because you'd like, I'm watching like the Hardy Boys versus Edge and Christian on one channel, and then he switches, and it's like you know, Rey Mysterio versus some other luchador. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, this is this was such a good time that we got to grow up in. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think I have it on my, compu- oh, my old computer. I have, like, a big Attitude Era Kids sticker because that was what got me into it as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I would hope, like, I'm a, I'm a very competitive sort of guy. So, like, uh, wherever I'm wrestling at the moment, where whatever team I'm with, that's what I back the most. I was the same when I was with NXT. And now that I'm on like Monday Night Raw and I'm staying on Raw, I want it to be the best brand possible. And I think sort of, you know, 2003, 2004, you got that bit of competition with Raw and SmackDown. And I hope now that we're getting the brand split, the same thing happens. And I want to have Monday Night Raw be the uh, A brand. Well, you're doing a good job of it with matches like that one against Bobby Lashley because that match was like, you know, it could have been a throwaway match, but I think that it instead was a real coming out moment for you to show that like what a lot of people already know about you is that you can have those matches with a guy like Bobby Lashley. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've always said like, you put me in the ring with the best in the world. I can show you that I'm also the best in the world. Um, But that night was (laughs) a crazy night to say the least. You know, there was some travel problems that uh, certain superstars couldn't get to the venue in time from across the other side of the country. So I wasn't scheduled to actually be in that match. That match got sort of thrown together. At the same time, I was recovering from the flu. And I was like, I don't even know if I can get out there and, and do this. And then I go out there and have like a crazy reception. People people are loving it. And I always go back to uh, people love the big men slapping meat. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but I also think that, you know, beyond that, I think that it that it's a testament to how skilled you are in the ring because I think that with all those factors, you know, you being sick, you know, and not even being in the plans, not something you were even planning for, um, it's one of those things where you see that, like, always being ready and always being able to show what you can do at a moment's notice and maximize that time is so important. Yeah, I think so. I, that's something that uh, I know for me, I'm not sure about other pro wrestlers, was drilled into me when I first started in this business was to always be ready, always have your gear with you per se, you know, get ready to lace the boots and every night can be an audition as well. So you don't know who's watching. You don't know if there's people that never seen you before. So I always try to go out there and have something memorable. And, you know, I try to put on the best matches ever, whether they're a five-star classic or not, that's up to people's perception, but I make sure that they will remember it. I hope now, because of what happened with that match and just because of the fact that we're coming out of WrestleMania um, and, and the draft's over, things are kind of a kind of like, you know, the pieces are kind of coming in together a little more uh, talents getting to that, that people that aren't necessarily in programs are getting more opportunities on TV. Again, I really want to mm-hmm. see you against more main eventers like that, because I think that I know you can hang with them. And I think that, in a year's time, you could be, maybe even sooner, you could be someone who's at the top of the card in the World Heavyweight title picture. Yeah, I mean, I believe in myself in that respect. And 
I think you're crazy if you're not in this business to try and be at the top. You should be gunning to be main event. You should be trying to become, you know, WWE champion or now the 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 world heavyweight championship that we are going to have come in place. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of guys that I haven't stepped foot in the ring with that I'd like to. Guys like we saw Elimination Chamber. I got a tiny little glimpse of of me with Seth Rollins, but I'd love to see that as a singles match or guys like uh cody rhodes as well uh i'd love to step in the foot you know step in the ring with those guys yeah that's why i want to see right now we've only gotten these little tiny glimpses and i'm ready to get <laughs> yeah. longer glimpses of it i think that uh yeah i just i i, I want to see more of it i i think that uh so you mentioned it right there you said everyone should want to be the world champion and i saw yeah. a, i was baffled by a comment i saw on twitter yesterday or today one some sometime this week where uh it was a clip we shared from this show of of joaquin wild and a conversation mm -hmm. that he had with terry taylor and it was when yes. he first started at the performance center he said that he walked in and terry taylor said oh what's that thing that you do and he said that he went into him blah, 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 like he used to do an impact <laughs> And yeah, I remember. And Terry Taylor said, "Like, is that something that you're going to main event WrestleMania with?" And it and it made him kind of like second guess himself. And now it's led to better things for his character, and he's changed <laughs> and evolved. But I saw someone respond to that clip, and they said, "Not every person should want to just be the main event of WrestleMania." And I thought to myself, "Are you out of your mind? Why would you join a business to not want to be the top of it?" Yeah, of course. Like, I think every pro wrestler would be lying if they didn't say they were a kid at some point held up something whether it is an actual replica belt or or whatever you had and made out to be, be the champion and be in the main event of wrestlemania you'd be lying if you said you didn't do that as a kid so why not try and make that into a goal of yours you know i've seen my peers that have come up sort of around the same time as me do those things and so it is it is a reality that can uh happen and uh also, God bless Terry Taylor because uh, he makes me laugh a lot. I I spent a lot of time with him at the Performance Center as well. Um, but yeah, he seems to be an be, honest be person, that guy. Because in the comments, <laughs> yeah. it was a lot of guys who had trained at the Performance Center being like, "Yeah, that's definitely something Terry would say." Yeah, one hundred percent. That's a Terryism. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you mentioned wanting to be the champion and the, the new World Heavyweight Title. I was wondering. If you let's say you got to book this, you were in charge, you got to choose. Would you rather be the first of the to hold the new world heavyweight championship, or would you rather be the one that dethroned Roman Reigns for the universal title? No, oh, that's that's a good question. Uh I would say be the first. Just because once you've done that, there's no one else that can ever say they could do that. Obviously, once Roman Reigns is dethroned if he's ever dethroned uh you're going to be the one and only to do that as well but with this new championship you can build a whole new legacy and etch out how you see a champion being fit and how they should be a, a world champion that new belt looks or title championship whatever uh, looks beautiful yeah I love it you know I'm a, I was a big fan of the old big gold one and uh you know I'm a huge Dusty Rhodes fan and stuff like that so that sort of throwback to that sort of lineage is great do uh did you have any input in the mr nice guy name or was that something that someone else threw at you because i like it uh i i uh that wasn't actually my idea but 
<laughs> it is is sort of input. So, uh, you know, I've been watching a, a few different television shows that has a character that's sort of similar to what I do, uh, Australian TV shows. And uh, the Mr. Nice Guy was actually Paul Heyman. Uh, he, he suggested that. And uh, obviously, when such a great mind of the business like Paul Heyman suggests anything, you should go with it because he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, Probably don't so, want to yeah. argue with yeah with a creative <laughs> idea for Paul Heyman. No, no way. Yeah. Uh, I, again, huge ECW fan. Uh, so if he has an idea like that, of course, of, of course, that's what I'm going to go with. Um, but yeah, Mr. Nice Guy. And it is it is representative of what you see, like us chatting right now. I am that nice guy. You can speak to me. It's just when I step into the ring, that's when the uh, beast is unleashed. That's when things change and I got to make my money. My money is by cracking skulls. What's the Australian show you were watching that, that has influenced the character a little bit? Mr. In-Between. Okay. So if anyone watches that show, it's it's great. You you enjoy it. It's actually on Hulu. Okay. Well, I'll check <laughs> it out. Is it worth watching? There's a plug. <laughs> yeah, definitely worth watching. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm a... Uh... I love TV. I'm a big TV guy, so I'm. Me too. I'll, I'll be watching it. I'm excited to. Uh, there's like so much good stuff out right now. It sucks. There's a writer strike because there's so much good TV out there right now. I don't want that. I don't want that to slow down at all. Yeah, me. Me too. I. I always. I'm a huge. Uh, I, I love television shows, but I'm a huge like uh, movie buff as well. So I'm constantly watching movies and television shows, and I try to sort of take from from them as well because as much as I love pro wrestling. I feel like when the guys take from other pro wrestlers, especially if it's current guys that you're working with, it just becomes a lot of the same. And I think we need to try and take from other avenues or, or you know, be inspired from other forms of art. And then that's how we sort of get the the best stuff going in pro wrestling. Well, I think that it's like, I almost think that you're, you're doing a disservice to yourself if you're forming a character or trying to, you know, portray something on TV and you're not taking inspiration from some of the biggest television shows or the biggest movies, taking something from it, you're doing a service to yourself. Yeah, I agree. And like, like you said, there's such great television at the moment, such creative stuff out there that uh, if you're a creative type of person, you can sort of watch these things and uh, put it into your arsenal. What's your favorite show you're watching right now? Uh, I just started watching Love and Death, which is pretty good. Who's it's in the new that? Sounds Eliz familiar. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen. It's a new, ah, yes. new show on HBO. Yeah, which is which has been good. That's the one where but, like there was a movie of that as well, or another series. I, I, I'm not 100 percent too sure. I know it's made by the same people that made Big Little Lies. Oh, it is. If you ever saw that, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's sort of like that. It's like a true crime type shows so at the moment i'm only i'm only the first three episodes in and it's sort of like just building towards something so oh but it, it's I'll good check that out i've i've heard people talking about that one for sure yeah yeah it's it's been good so far what's the last great movie you saw the last great movie i saw i mean I'm like the one picky. that you were all about that you were like yeah this is a great movie i was like this is dope uh for me i'm seeing movies all the time Probably, I I really liked Renfield. Okay. Oh, I'm a huge. I, I really want to watch that movie. Yeah, I, not so much for the Renfield character himself, but I'm a huge Nicolas Cage fan, and uh, Nicolas Cage's Dracula is something I could watch like a whole movie of. I I hope that he does Dracula again. I hope he reprises that role. So uh, probably that. It's tough 
I also love movies. I used to go to the movies like every weekend or every other weekend or whatever. Them like shortening the, the, the studios, entertainment industry, whatever, shortening the window from from when it's in theaters to when yeah. you can watch it as home at home has really made it hard for me to go to the movie theaters as much because it's like if I don't go opening weekend, then I know it's going to be on streaming in like two weeks. Yeah, I've done that a bunch. I've done it a bunch where I'm like, ah, I'll just wait for it to be on Prime or whatever, like in two, three weeks, uh, which sort of does suck because I like going to the cinema as well. Me too. So I usually, I usually like what you just said. I usually try and go like opening weekend, so then it forces me to to go. But obviously, with my job, I'm not available to do that a lot. Weekends are sort of busy, so I found that a lot of I have a cinema here that I go to locally that uh, a lot of the premiere days are a Friday, but they do it the Thursday night. So usually Thursday nights are my movie night. Yeah, I'm going tonight. No, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to give a time frame for all of you watching this. Uh, but yeah, I'm hey, going to really see Really peeling everything too. back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing Guardians of the Galaxy tonight. I'm excited to go see that. Yeah, it looks good. I, I'm probably going to go see it as well. <laughs> Got to go rep. Got to go rep for Dave Batista. you know? Yeah. Oh, I... I Big fan of uh, Batista and his acting work. I think I really like the uh, knock, knock at the Cabin that came out this year as well. He was so. great also in, uh, was it Glass Onion? Is that what it's called? Glass yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, that's a word I was going to say that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that movie was so good and he was fantastic in it. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to go out and be controversial, get some heat for this, but uh, I think he's the best wrestler turned actor there is. I could not agree with you more. <laughs> and I, I, I don't even think that's a controversial take at this point. I think that when you look at the – we got John we got John Cena, The Rock, and Dave Rock. Batista. But I, I do believe that they're all trying to do different things with their career. And with Dave Batista, he wants to be an actor. Like, he doesn't want to just be in movies. Yes. He wants to be an actor. He wants to act. He wants to challenge himself in different parts. And it's very evident, and I think that's why you keep seeing him in all these different, like, very actory type movies, the the Dune and the the Glass Onion and stuff. And John Cena wants to be funny, like he always was. So we're seeing yeah. John Cena and a lot of these like funny, you know, comedic role type things that he can do. And then The Rock's just, you know, the biggest movie star on the planet. Yeah, he's a huge blockbuster guy. That's what The Rock is. And yeah, like you said, sort of, John Cena's found his niche in in what he does. And I think, yeah. Batista is definitely the actor's actor. Absolutely. And he's so good at it. Oh, he is. So good at it. Plus, uh, I was a big fan anyway. You know, a big <laughs> Batista bomb guy. Yeah, I'm sure. You're a big, you like the big guys. So you're going <laughs> to like Batista. Uh, one more question here uh, before that's that. Well, what time is it? No. One, yeah, one more question that's non wrestling related. We, we could go for hours. I know. I can't. I looked at the time. I was like, wow, we've already gone 45 minutes. Crazy. Uh, I'm going to ask you one non-wrestling question and then one wrestling question to wrap things up. Uh, you talked about meat. What do you yes. think is the best kind of meat? Best meat other than myself. Other than yourself. The best meat that someone can eat. Well, I don't know. <laughs> We're going down a slippery slope now. Yeah, uh, that didn't sound right at all. <laughs> yeah. The best meat besides you. <laughs> I, I want to say, oh, that's hard. I'm, I'm, I'm such a fan of uh, meat. That's why I figured uh, it was a good question here. Uh, I got to say, a nice ribeye steak. You know, you can't go past a really well cooked ribeye steak. But then at the same time, a really good corned beef sandwich is good. 
Now that like a, is like a controversial a cat, take. Katz's Deli sandwich. Well, you're talking to a Jew here, so I can't. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna disagree here. You know. I lo I love I love Katz's Deli. Anytime I'm in New York, I'll go and line up for the for that corned beef sandwich. I I feel like corned beef is a controversial answer. That's not what the norm <laughs> that people would go for. Uh, ribeye, yes, that's that's the one that people would probably well, go well, for. Let's do, well, then let's go corned beef because it is controversial. I want people to put more respect on corned beef. <laughs> that's the takeaway <laughs> from this interview today. You got to put more respect on corned beef. I like that. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna wrap things up here. I usually do a full segment here. I'm gonna ask you a couple of these questions. A segment that I call the finishing move. It's where I talk to my guest about their finishing move. There we go. There's the fancy graphic. <laughs> uh, was the tsunami a name that you came up with or did someone else suggest it? Uh, that's all me, Pure Bronson. I came up with that. Uh, I came up with it because obviously yeah, it's a top rope splash, but I said it's the biggest and best, most devastating splash. So it should be the tsunami. It fits. It's a good name. It fits. Yeah, as soon as, as soon as I came up with it, I'm like, I'm going to start calling it Tsunami. They rolled with it on NXT, and then obviously Wade Barrett loved calling it, and that sort of became its own thing. And now no one's kicked out of it, right? Right? Is it my, my crazy? No one. So since since uh, my, my uh, NXT debut uh, and my time away, New Japan and stuff like that, no one's kicked out of it. So it's going on five years now. Uh, the Tsunami has not been kicked out of, so... That's something I'm going to try and always keep throwing that tsunami devastating and hopefully no one kicks out of it for a long time. That's why it's important to name your finishing move. A lot of times I see <laughs> wrestlers who don't just do the like, just name it something. Just name it something. I know it's already a move elsewhere. Just name it something. Yeah. It adds something to it. And look, at you name it and no one starts kicking out of it afterwards. It's true. And it's not just that. Like, I, I'm saying there's quite a few people in wwe that do a top rope splash now but they do a top rope splash i do the tsunami that's that's it exactly it's special when you do it for that that yes. exact reason i like it all right lastly what's the most memorable time you hit your finishing move on someone and why most memorable uh it probably would be against johnny gargano in the cage match in nxt just because uh that was such a big culmination of it felt like you know 14 15 years of hard work traveling all the way here and you know sometimes you do doubt yourself sometimes you lose belief and then here i am uh in the nxt ring becoming north american champion winning gold in wwe for the first time so i remember hitting that that splash and being like wow i did it and uh it was it was a special moment and now that i have done it once it's something that i want to do again you know i want more gold and hopefully more tsunamis will lead to that. Well, I hope we see it this year. Like I said, I want to see more of you on Raw, so I'm happy to hear that because I think we're going to see more of you on Raw this year, and uh, I I would not be surprised to see gold around your waist at some point. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for, and, you know, I'm a big boy, so if it doesn't fit around the waist, it's going on the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Bronson, thank you so much for doing this today. I appreciate it very much. You have a great one. No, thanks for having me. All right, that was my conversation with Bronson Reed. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Super cool guy. He's got a Vader mask, an original Vader mask in his office. That's a flex. That's a good flex, especially when you're a guy who's a big wrestler who takes a little bit of inspiration from guys like Bam Bam and Vader 
fact that he can have that up in his office, super, super cool. I think, like I said at the beginning, different side of Bronson Reed that you don't normally see, and I hope you guys were happy to see it because I know I was. Now, before we get out of here, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Hit the nice positive buttons beneath me. I think there's a thumbs up. There's a bell. Just start clicking things like when you're in an elevator and you start hitting everything. Just hit the positive buttons, though, not the negative ones. And make sure you subscribe to this WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you're going to get clips from Raw and SmackDown. That's where you're going to get clips from Out of Character. That's where you're going to get YouTube shorts and so much more in the community tab. So make sure that you're subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. And also make sure you're subscribed to the Out of Character podcast feed. That's where you can hear this show in audio form every week while you're out doing your things. You don't even need to be sitting by a computer. The joys of podcasting, right? I'm explaining podcasting to you. Like you don't already know how podcasts work, but make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast feed. Uh, it helps us out a lot. That's where you can also find Raw and SmackDown recaps usually as well. So make sure you're doing that and hook it up with a positive review. Also, Make sure you're following WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're on all of those platforms, so make sure you're following us there. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been Out of Character.